it became really obvious that the network needed an overhaul. It was overly complex, suffered in its ability to carry data efficiently in all of the environments we were working in. Um, we needed low latency, very resilient, and a highly secure network that kind of merged the standard IT practices with industrial networking or OT practices. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, and welcome to Status Go. I'm Frank Lulergis, InterVision's Vice President of Professional Services, and this is my Status Go debut. So to any of the loyal listeners out there, I am a new voice. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Don Armstrong, Vice President of IT at Hyperloop One. Welcome to the show, Don. Well, thanks, Frank. It's great to be here. And you've been with Hyperloop about three years now, right? And you're in charge of all IT infrastructure and development as well, I believe. Is that true? Yeah, in charge of uh, IT from networking, systems, security, the whole enchilada. Nice. And over the last three years or so, you've taken your infrastructure and your team through a transformation of sorts, a simplification, right? We've all heard the quote, simplification is the ultimate sophistication. However, we know it's no small feat. And um, Don was able to reduce complexity in our organization without sacrificing any capabilities. Before we dive into that and exactly how you and your team made that shift, Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got where you are today, how you ended up in this role at Hyperloop. Oh, sure, Frank. I've I've been around quite a while. I might have more gray hair than you. Um, <laughs> I cut I cut my teeth on telephony. Ended up working for a voicemail manufacturer, Senegram. If anybody remembers them, Mitel Networks bought them out, and then I moved to the professional services team. That was a lot of fun traveling all over the world, but uh, after a while, I needed to make a change. I moved over to the customer side, uh, going to work for a large construction company, and uh, now I'm over at Virgin Hyperloop One. I think that moving from the VAR slash manufacturing side gives me a great perspective on you know being at the delivery end of a sow. I like to think I have a leg up on negotiating, and sometimes I even have empathy when things go south. <laughs> that makes sense. So, so in order to set the tone a bit, can you give our listeners an idea of what exactly Hyperloop does, and more specifically, what what your role in IT is for the organization? Yeah, um, Virgin Hyperloop is a five-year-old startup that is uh, creating a new mode of transportation. There hasn't been a disruptive change in transportation since the train over 100 years ago. And IT's place in the organization doesn't stop at corporate IT and security. We contribute and support to the development and test operations of the actual product itself. That is super exciting for me and my team. We're not just building an app here. We're designing and building a huge infrastructure project. People will be riding the Hyperloop and there is zero margin for error. Um, it's important that the IT infrastructure solely support that mission. Yeah, I mean, you say zero margin of error. Um, 
I, I think it's important that we dig into that a little bit specifically. So obviously this is a mode of transportation for pedestrians. And if you're uh, designing and developing the system that supports that, I have to imagine that th these are all critical functions and there's not a lot of leeway for mistakes. So how would you define the zero margin of, for error as it pertains to IT? Well, zero margin for error in, in that context that I was talking about is, is really safety. And obviously safety is key in any mode of transportation, whether it's self-driving cars, subway, or the hyperloop. So for, for us in IT, I translate that to mean that the entire underlying IT infrastructure. So we need to architect our IT services to be resilient to any failure. And we need to assist our engineers in putting into place whatever is needed to support that safety and security on their product side. So we don't, we do get involved on the product side from a maybe consulting type standpoint um, and also uh, quite involved in the actual test facility and building out the, the underlying network that's going to support all of those test operations. So I leave the nitty gritty details really to the engineers from, from a product safety perspective, but I want to make sure that our uh, network and the infrastructure that they need is there to 100% support them. Makes sense. So yeah, uh, resiliency, uh, I imagine, you know, fault tolerance, a lot of redundancy, good monitoring, uh, reporting, analytics, et cetera, in order to support that zero margin for error. And then obviously ongoing operations, right? So I guess that ties back into uh, simplification, simplifying the environment so that your engineers can properly operate without getting bogged down with complexity and have clear transparency into day-to-day -day operations. So you, you've been able to achieve that. Can you tell us a little bit about what the architecture looked like before you got involved, before you started that pursuit a, a year or so ago? Well, as, as you can imagine, Frank, we were in the state of a typical startup that, you know, it started in a garage five years ago in our founder's garage in Hawthorne and you know migrated to this small building in downtown LA and the arts district and they haven't stopped growing since you know we have now have a, a six building campus in downtown LA and we were still building just a year and a half ago on top of you know VLAN 1 being used and you know your typical file shares there was SharePoint was there but there was really no Nobody really designed the the security of it from a holistic perspective. Basically, you know, when you're moving that fast as a startup, and I, I think this is probably the problem of every single startup, is that you don't have a holistic view. Sure, it's a greenfield and it's awesome, but I think it's pretty hard to keep that holistic view going when you're moving like that fast. Yeah, understood. You can't really design for the for the end result when you don't really know what the end result is, right? Uh, yeah, and startups exactly. have a, they, they have a lot of turnover and uh, things are moving so fast that things aren't always properly documented and you end up with a lot of band-aid fixes. And I think organically, you just stack layers of complexity on layers of complexity, trying to solve problems as they arise uh, without really designing for them ahead of time. So I think it's a common challenge that a lot of startups face, especially uh, when you're when you're having the success at a rapid rate that Hyperloop has had, um, it's hard to keep up with it. What were some of the biggest challenges? I mean, I imagine you had to reverse engineer some things and, and undo some production implementations 
uh, that were in use in order to reduce that complexity. What did you think some of the biggest challenges were when you first undertook this initiative? Yeah, you're you're right, Frank. It, I like that analogy. It's it's like peeling an onion, right? Or or doing home remodeling, like you were talking about before we started this recording. Every time you start a remodeling project, it's like one thing leads to another, leads to another, and 50 trips to Home Depot later, and you're still working on it. And you're and, still deconstructing. <laughs> exactly. So we would peel back one one issue and start that project and run into a few others. And thankfully, over that same course of the, the last couple of years, I was able to really get a nice, solid team uh, working with me. It takes a really special team to be able to handle the type of energy and change of pace that we deal with every day. And um, while making progress to bring the environment up to best practices from a networking perspective, a systems perspective, and a security perspective, you know, I mean, we're we're not a big startup. We're pre-revenue. So, you know, money is always an issue, just like with any startup. So we have to be very thoughtful of the projects that we do take on. You know, I thought one of the most important projects that we took on was security, both from a networking perspective and being able to mature as an organization as we get larger. We worked through replacing our older firewalls with uh, the Palo Altos, which was awesome. And uh, But it's a process, right? I mean, we've been doing that for a year. Um, we're just starting to make the move to Global Protect, getting off of our old VPN. So it's all just takes time. Yeah. And when you have a limited budget to work with, you really have to, uh, you know, boil things down to the core fundamentals and prioritize and reprioritize and, and, and really identify what your requirements are and tackle them one at a time. Right. You can't you can't just go all in and throw a giant team at these problems here. You're, you're working with a limited team as it is, and they're keeping the lights on uh, from a day to day operational standpoint. So. Where do you find the manpower to, to undertake all these projects? So I know because we've talked in the past that you put a, a lot of time and focus into really boiling down those core fundamentals. Can you talk a little bit about how you prioritized uh, what projects you were going to tackle first? You know, what the first steps were there in making those decisions? I think that would be beneficial for some of our listeners that have the same challenges. Um, you know, I think sometimes the hardest part is knowing where to begin. Well, there are three core functions that I use as touchstones for prioritizing projects. Uh, those are corporate IT, uh, protecting intellectual property, and uh, supporting our test and development efforts. This this last one is really key. We were out at our test track in Nevada last summer supporting pod runs, where we made history by achieving 240 miles an hour in less than 500 meters. And if you think about the environment we're operating in, the pod runs in a very low pressure steel tube. And in that tube, our engineers need to gather hundreds of data points, you know, throughout the run, checking for levitation drift, um, voltage consumption, different aerodynamic indices, all that kind of stuff. Those sensors produce a lot of data and we need that data in real time back at our control room. And if you think of the challenge of transmitting data off of an object running it you know, 240 miles an hour in vacuum, sealed in a steel tube, you can imagine the, the problems. You can compare that to running a Formula One race car 
in a mining shaft on the moon. So during that testing in Nevada in the summer of back in 2018, it became really obvious that the network needed an overhaul. It was overly complex, suffered in its ability to carry data efficiently in all of the environments we were working in. Um, we needed low latency, very resilient, and a highly secure network that kind of merged the standard IT practices with industrial networking or OT practices. Yeah, understood. This isn't, you know, your typical three-tier network architecture where you're just doing email and, and logging people in against AD. There's a lot going on in this network. Yeah. If you think about that Formula One race car, in a typical race, they have around 120 sensors that they're collecting from in real time. And they can use that data when a car comes into the pit to make adjustments that, that could have them win the race. We're taking that data off of our pod, but instead of transmitting it in open air, we're doing it in a mining tunnel on the moon. And it's levitating. Intense. So in order for my team to focus on these types of challenges, we need to ensure that we're not spending time worrying about how much storage all that data is consuming or whether QoS is working. You know, we've spent the last two years building a very robust, stable, secure network and a backend infrastructure. I'm incredibly proud of my team and the work that they've done in, in such a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, your systems guys uh, manage the backend applications to also be fault tolerant and, and be resilient. Yeah. And I know that you've built a team of people that are really up for the challenge. I know you're very proud of your team and they've undertaken some pretty interesting challenges that I know you've worked with with outside companies on as well. And uh, you guys have had a lot of success, right? I would say that today um, you're able to monitor the environment, run your tests a lot more efficiently with less manpower, and you have a stable, reliable, secure environment. So congratulations. It's not easy to do, and you've done it in a pretty short period of time, but I'm sure your your challenges are far from over. So sticking with the past, present, future theme, where do you go from here? What's next? How do you continue to evolve this you know, from this point forward to be able to help the organization continue to grow? Well, Frank, we're getting into the nitty gritty with our Hyperloop Certification Center. And I'm sure you've seen lots of things in the news about different states talking about working with Hyperloop to develop a certification and innovation center in their state. Um, you know, that's still something that's that's moving forward, especially in the brave new world that we're in right now. With COVID-19, you know, states are going to be scrambling to figure out how can I get people back to work and how can I get those jobs back that may have been lost because some businesses didn't survive COVID-19. So I really need to make sure that our environment is able to grow no matter where we evolve to, right? Whether that's in the Middle East or India or across the U.S., we need to make sure that we can we can grow into those areas, but be secure through the entire process. Securing intellectual property, being able to monitor our environment from a security perspective is vital. And so that just goes to like organizational maturity, right? We're getting to that point with our organization size. And, and now that we've worked through all of those old legacy issues, I, I think we're able to focus now on maturing the IT 
organization. Well, that makes sense. So you, you inherited an environment that was sort of a mishmash of technologies. You were able to streamline it, make things more efficient from a run and maintain perspective, secure it, make it more redundant and fault tolerant. And now you're focusing on making it uh, replicatable and scalable so that it could be deployed all over the world and you have a model that can be replicated without sacrificing any of the integrity or resiliency or taking the risk of uh, losing any of your intellectual property. So that that's a big challenge. That's a big challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it completely in a nutshell. Definitely, definitely. And I think one of the most important pieces to this puzzle for me that has helped throughout the last couple of years, and I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years, is is having a team that communicates and collaborates. You know, if your network team, your security team, and your systems team, if they're all siloed and they don't talk to one another, then that's going to be a problem. There needs to be a seamless, no bullshit communication between all of those teams every day. Or especially in the zero margin forever kind of environment, a lack of communication can be the difference between, uh, you know, the safety of, of the passengers, right? Oh, Everybody yeah. needs to be on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I imagine from a leadership role, you know, more than just focusing on IT, you probably spend a lot of time focusing on team building and building a culture of camaraderie, keep everybody working closely together. I do. That's actually this COVID-19 work from home thing has actually been a little bit harder on my team than maybe some other teams that are used to not communicating as much. There is such a camaraderie with them, generally speaking, that uh, they are having a lot of trouble working from home and not seeing each other each day. But I've started to do some some different things to try to get around that. Like we do virtual happy hours Friday afternoons with the team, and and uh, I make sure I touch base with them. And you know, I'm growing peppers in my garden to make them happy when we get back because they're all like spicy food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been to your office. I've seen the uh, hand-built whiskey bar that opens up on Friday afternoons. I'm sure everybody's missing. Oh that. yeah, we uh, yeah we miss our we miss our whiskey bar too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Don, I think we're starting to run low on time here. So in closing, uh, for our listeners out there that may be looking to address similar challenges where they have a complex infrastructure that they're struggling to maintain and are looking to to simplify. Uh, what would be your advice to them? What would be the, the best way for them to start on their transformation journey? Well, it doesn't matter whether you're a startup or a well-established Fortune 100 company. It all starts with priorities and requirements. You know, that's fairly typical. I would add relationships and agility to those key building blocks. Building relationships across the business is important understanding different department priorities. Uh, and ensuring that IT is listening. I recommend extending those relationships to vendors and manufacturers so that they understand your expectations and where your company is going. In order to be able to pivot at the speed of a hyperloop, I need an agile team, an agile infrastructure, and agile vendors. As 2020 is showing us every single week, we have no idea what will come next. So my team and I and the infrastructure behind us better be able to grow, contract, pivot, or move as the world changes. Uh, I, I think that's great advice. 
unless you have anything else to add, Don, I think we're going to wrap here. It was great talking to you. I appreciate all the background and insight and um, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Always great to chat with you. Well, to our listeners out there, if you have any questions or want to learn more, please go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide additional information. And thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.